0: Well, we're doing things a little bit differently today because this is a different day. Today begins our process of recognizing or recommending uh, leadership for this church, to additional leadership to combine with those who hopefully will continue serving. There's a lot of words you'll hear us throw around. We talk about celebrating our leaders. We talk about uh, uh, recognizing or recommending our leaders. Uh, one thing that this is not is an election. Uh, I know that we really value our democratic principles in this country, uh, but when it comes to the church, the church is not a democracy. Uh, We hopefully are led by our head, Jesus Christ, and God his Father, and are empowered by the Spirit. So when it comes time to recognize who it is among us that God has equipped to lead us upon this earth, that's exactly what we're doing, is seeing who he has chosen, The ones that he has equipped, the ones that he has prepared throughout their life and their walk with him, then to take leadership roles within his church. And so, in a little while, we're going to be looking at this page. Don Foster will come up and guide us through that. So, use all of your self will and self control right now and put that aside, okay? (laughs) But we are going to talk about some other things. You know, Whenever it comes time to do this, I I get lots of questions. I've already had several people ask me, well, who should I put down? That's not the right question. I tell them, you put down the ones or one, even one or more, that is your leader, the one you look to, the one in whom you see the Spirit of God moving and leading and guiding. Your answer may be different from my answer. But that's okay. That's why we ask the whole church to participate. One way that we listen to the Spirit's voice is also to hear His Word. The Holy Spirit has communicated to us through the Bible, and in that communication has given us some things to think about and to pray about as we go through this process. On the back of your page that you're not looking at right now, there are some scriptures listed that you will have opportunity to read through. But one that's not listed there but is one of my favorites is Acts chapter 20. Now, let me tell you why I like this verse so this just part so much. This is telling the story of the apostle Paul who has made his last missionary journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows when he gets there he's going to be arrested. He knows that basically his travels are for the most part over. And as he's sailing toward Jerusalem, they go very close to the church of Ephesus, or the city of Ephesus. Now, he has worked with that church for a three-year period. He knows those people well. And being a minister, maybe not in the same league as Paul, but serving some of the same functions, I know what it's like to work with a group of men who are elders for a lengthy amount of time. I know how close you get to them, I know how much you respect them, and how much love you have for them. Well, Paul couldn't stand it that he was going to go past Ephesus and not get to see these guys one more time. And so when the ship stopped at a little island called Miletus, he sent word back to Ephesus, and well, let's read the verse. Acts 20, verse 17 says this, from Miletus, he sent a message to Ephesus asking the elders of the church to meet him. And what a wonderful reunion that was. Men that he loved dearly, men that he knew he would never see again. He talked with them, and a part of what he said was this, verse 28. He said, keep watch over yourselves and over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. Now, the most the thing that this passage really touches my heart. We're going to talk about in a minute, but let's not run past this part first. In these two verses that we've given, verse 17 and verse 28. It's interesting that Paul describes the leaders of the church with three different words. He uses three terms to tell them who they are. First of all, he says that they're elders when he calls for the elders of the church. He also says God has made you overseers, and that is a particular term that he uses to apply to them. The churchy word for overseer is bishop, all right? And then he says, and you're called to be shepherds over the people. Now, in using those three terms, he tells us a lot about who we're looking for for leaders of the church. Elders. Elder is a family word. It's a word that describes a person in a family who has, because of their wisdom, maturity, because of just who they are, the family looks to that person for leadership and guidance. Whenever I do premarital counseling, when we're talking to the young couple about their families, I always ask them the question. Who is the leader of your family? Thinking about is it grandmother, grandfather, is it dad, is it mom, is it aunt, is it uncle? Who is it in your family who has kind of risen to the top that everybody else in the family looks to for that kind of wisdom and knowledge and leadership? Well, in the church we do that too. We look around among us and see who is it that I see who has blessed my life with their wisdom, with their guidance? Who is it that I look up to as a person of Christ and of God? The word overseer comes directly from the business world. I know we've taken it and put it into the church world, but it, in Paul's time, that was a business term. Bishop, episcopos is the word that he used. It was a business term meaning manager. Someone who, who could organize things, someone who handled the matters of an organization. Steward is another word that's used sometimes to translate that particular word. And so when we recognize that elders are also called upon to be overseers, we realize that the church, though it is an organism, it is a body, it is a community, it is also on some levels an organization. To have this many people together, working together and staying together, takes someone who can help organize, who can set goals and who can organize tasks and who can organize people. And therefore, the people that God has equipped are people that he has given these managerial and organizational skills. Of course, shepherd, we know what that means, don't we? Even though most of us have never had a lot of dealing with shepherds, we know basically in our hearts that a shepherd was one who took care of a flock. He to the flock's needs. He fed the flock. And he, he doctored the flock. You know, he did all these things in order to provide for these, this flock so that it could prosper and it could grow. So those are three terms that I like to point out that all through the New Testament, those terms are used interchangeably. They're all talking about the same people but they tell us in different ways just what are we looking for here? What kind of person do we want to, be, to call elder or overseer or shepherd? Now, if we need some more help than that, it's always good, too. And these passages are on your page that you're not looking at right now. But they will be there. And I hope that you'll turn to them as well as the other ones, too, before you start filling in this form and read about what kind of qualities men like this have? I'm talking about 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 and Titus chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. And in these passages Paul wrote to some younger ministers who were helping a church as they recognized the leaders among them, and it's funny, Timothy was in Ephesus. Paul wrote this years later, and the Ephesian church that Paul was meeting with their elders right now, later on, it was time for them to bring forth new leaders, and Timothy was working with that process. Titus was working in a mission church on the island of Crete. The two list of qualities that he gives them differs somewhat because a a mature church is different from a mission church, but there's a lot of overlap too, and as you read those It falls into three different areas that Paul talks about. He says, first of all, look at their personal life. What kind of man is this? Is this a man who has deep Christian values? Is his morality what Christ has called him to have? Words that are given, uh, as Paul uh, talks about uh, the personal life, is words like above reproach, temperate, gentle, not quick-tempered, a devout person. So as we think about who is is going to serve in our leadership here at Johnson Street, we look at their personal life and just see if they're the men that God has called them to be. We also look at their family life. This is interesting. Paul points out in both lists that a a person should be be a part of a good, stable family. Uh, You know, if you see a person whose family life is chaotic, as Paul says, how can a person function as a leader within the family of God? if they can't really function well within their own family as well. And so certainly he calls upon us as we're thinking about who should serve as leaders as those who have have good and stable and exemplary family lives. And then also he says look at the church life as well. He talks about them being hospitable, being open, being caring, uh, uh, you know, being being uh, someone who who cares about even strangers who are in their midst. Talks about them being grounded in the doctrine and the teachings of Christ and being able to teach those doctrines and teachings as well. So uh, those are some of the qualities that we're looking for. But I'm hurrying on because I don't have much time today. We've got to give some other folks some time. But I have to tell you, back to Acts chapter 20. The reason that I love this passage so much is as I get older and think about some of the men that I've worked with who have been my leaders, my elders, my shepherds, I really relate to the last part of chapter 20. Paul, as he was leaving and realized he would never see these guys again, listen to what it says. And when he had finished speaking, he knelt down with them and prayed. There was much weeping among them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. Uh, that's what happens when the right leaders are in place. A church becomes a place of love. A church becomes a family. A church becomes the body of Christ. And as I read this passage, I think about men that I have worked with in church leadership that have gone on. I think about the people that I can't wait till someday— I get to hug them again and tell them again how much they've meant to me. So when I go through this process, these faces keep coming to my mind. I'm thinking, who is it that can walk like that? Maybe not exactly, but they're that kind of guy. Let me share a few pictures before I quit. This is a group of people that some of you know some of these men, don't you? Don't you? But, uh, okay, Dot says she knows them all, don't you? Okay. Uh, I think I know them all, too. This is the group that brought this church from West, uh, from Harrison Irving out here to Johnson Street. That's about the time that they were here. Stanley Lockhart worked with these guys. You're looking forward to giving some of these guys hugs again, aren't you, Stanley? Yeah. I think only one of them is still with us. Harold Insminger is here. And this is Garland Slaughter. This is uh, Homer Jordan Jr., G.B. Wadzik Earl Smith, Weldon Serber, J.D. Davis, and Ed White. I did it! Yay! Okay. <laughs> Most of these guys were still serving when I showed up here as a kid in 1975. And um, I was just blown away with their level of leadership and maturity. Uh, particularly, uh, think about Homer Jordan was a character and a half. I made the mistake soon after I got here of saying, well, Brother Jordan, I really like that tie you've got on. He took it off and gave it to me. That was just the kind of guy he was. I never told him I liked his tie again, (laughs) but I appreciated the tie. G.B. Wodzick was superintendent of schools. Uh, uh, Earl Smith was a district judge here. And uh, those guys both also served on the school board. And they were the driving forces as to why San Angelo became the first school district in Texas to desegregate, because they said that is the Christian thing to do. That tells you what their heart was, where their soul was. There are a huge reason why this church is always moving on, why this church is not just kind of stuck where we've always been. We're always looking to see where is God leaving, leading us, where does God want us to go, What does God want us to do? Can't wait to give those guys a hug again. Yeah, you knew he'd be in. Ryan Bankett. How many of you were ever hugged by Ryan Bankett? Yeah, look at that. Wasn't it great? Ryan, you know, I could say so much about him. Uh, Ryan was not so much the organizational managerial type. But I'll tell you what, I heard Ryan Bankhead say every meeting that I sat in and listened to the elders discuss decisions. When it came Ryan's turn to say something, he always asked this question Well, what is the most loving thing to do? And I want to tell you, that changes a discussion. We can come up with all kinds of ideas on how to do things, but then when someone challenges us, but what is the most loving thing to do? Ryan set the tone of a lot of discussions. And then I'll, one more picture, and then I'll get down. I wanted to show you this one. Uh, these are great guys. I think I could name all of them, too. I, I served with all of them as well. Uh, Chuck Smith's up here in the corner. Uh, I tell you what, Chuck was not serving as an elder when I got back here a few years ago. But I had to run to a sickbed or to the hospital to beat Chuck there. Uh, He was continuing to be that kind of shepherd and that kind of nurturing person. There's Mitch Caffey again. That's Frank Up. This is George Plyler and Cass Archer. J.D. Davis is still there. Uh, Is that Ken? No. That's Garland. That's Mitch Caffey. Did I say Garland? Okay, Mitch Caffey. That's Garland. And that's Wayne Bramhall. And that's Kenard Moose. I left out a couple. I wanted to show the picture here. Anybody know who that is? (laughs) Well, I wanted to show this picture for some of you who've only gotten to know Ed in recent years to show you he hasn't always looked that way. <laughs> yeah. Gotten much better looking, haven't you, Ed? <laughs> okay. But I also wanted to show you the picture of Royce. And uh, the loss of Royce is still fresh in our hearts, and yet our gratitude overflows for who Royce has been in this church And I was thinking, what in a quick sentence could I say about Royce and how much I appreciate about him? Uh, Royce knew that life was messy, and uh, he brought grace and mercy. Whenever we were trying to simplify issues, sometimes among the leadership, uh, Royce was the one that seemed to bring back to the discussion that things were not always that easy. There was another way of looking at that situation. Uh, Royce was the one that uh, reached out, was one of the ones that reached out to me in a very dark time in my life and helped me so much, and I appreciated the fact that he realized that we aspire to be great people, but we're still people, and we still slip, and we still fall. These are the kind of guys we're looking for, and you know what? They're here. They are here. You're here, and we look forward to seeing who the Holy Spirit leads this church to raise up as the next leaders here at Johnson Street. Ed, you know, I really shouldn't kid with you and then give you the microphone, but I will.
1: Do you see me run up those stairs? I was just a kid when I was first asked to be an elder, and still am. My fleece is just soured. It was over 30 years ago, I guess, <clears throat> I don't remember. Uh, Royce, he was here, he wouldn't know exactly the date. But uh, Royce and I and uh, Chuck Smith and Frank Up became elders at the same time. And for years, years, we would have a meeting after the meeting out there on the uh, parking lot out there before it was paved. It was a dirt parking lot. We'd go out there and we solved all problems, Uh, political issues, uh, football, how to raise teenagers. We should have sold that. Uh, golf, how to play golf. We were quite a group. We, had two jocks, a country boy, and a philosopher. Uh, you can decide which of those we were. But we were quite a, quite a group, and uh, we had the opportunity to serve with some real. Gentle giants, and you've seen some of their pictures up there. Uh, Ryan Bankhead, Garland Slaughter, J.D. Davis, George Plyler, Kennard Moose, and lots of others. Jimmy Strother, Harold Brothers. They were great men, and we learned from them a lot. Another characteristic they had was that they held their wonderful wives in great esteem. And I hope that you will remember that as you nominate others. But no group uh, that I ever served with uh, exceeded uh, the group with which you have their pictures in front of you in terms, the whole package, in terms of uh, mutual respect, uh, intelligence, open-mindedness, and sound spiritual leadership, they have it. And I was proud to be one to serve with them. I told them that it was an easy decision for me to step aside because of who they had become. And I told them that uh, the eldership needed to be dynamic and uh, not set in for the long haul. And the staff, I enjoyed working with this talented staff over the years. Uh, Tommy and I go out to lunch uh, the second Tuesday of every other month. And uh, I asked Tommy the other night at one of that the elders' meeting. I said, "Tommy, you gonna still buy my lunch?" Well, he has never bought my lunch. <laughs> we go Dutch. But uh, showing the respect that he talked about and mutual respect that we have one another, he said, "No, Ed, I don't need you anymore." <laughs> We have a wonderful relationship with our staff. The new additions that you will bring into the eldership uh, will bring new perspectives and new skills. And that is a good thing. Uh, My prayer is that they also will learn from these current uh, gentle giants uh, as we did. Uh, from those that we serve with. You deserve the very best available. And I think we are well on the way of making that happen. As for me, things won't change very much. Uh, As I was telling the 830 congregation here, uh, I don't plan to join Christian Mingle and get lost in the Cayman Islands. That's what I told them and then I've thought about it since then. (laughs) But you know, the Rush Street Ministries will still be here. Uh, The uh, Fellowship Ministry will still be here. The uh, 39ers will be here and I've I've tried to work with all of those groups and and intend to continue to do so. What I'm really up here to do After saying all those things, what I'm really up here to do is say thank you. Um, You have treated me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren, with uh, kindness, understanding, and respect. Uh, beyond which we could ever expect. And uh, I look forward to the days ahead, both on this earth and in the hereafter.
2: You never want to follow Ed Houston. And if you noticed, I didn't run up the steps. I think he's rehearsing for that Christian Mingle thing. He was trying to get some good hits. And we did video it, Ed, so I think you're, you're on the road. A lot of the things Ed said are uh, a lot of the same things that come to my mind, is particularly in terms of why I feel it's a time that I can, I hate to say retire because I'm way too young for that, uh, but can step aside for a while. Uh, And one of those is because the men that are on that, whose pictures are on that sheet of paper that you have that we will look at in a minute, uh, are such a good group of men. And uh, it's been a real joy to serve with, with that group I guess that group for about the last five years and the group before, the previous five. And it has been an honor uh, to serve this church as an elder for the last ten years. It was uh, about ten years ago, I still remember uh, what was going on when Roy Smith and Alan Price came into my office and asked if I would be willing to serve. And of course I hem-hawed around, but finally agreed. And in my, in my mind, I made a mental commitment to serve for five years. And here we are 10 years later. I do have no doubt that the last 10 years have helped me grow spiritually and hope and pray that God sees it as a time that this church has also grown spiritually. I know we've been busy uh, and I'm proud of what all of y'all have done over that last 10 years. I leave this office not because I'm exhausted, but that's why I walked when I came up, or unhappiness with the direction, the vision, of our leadership, but because after a lot of thought and prayer, probably at least a year's worth of it, I just believe it's time. And I'll share three of the motives that I have uh, of why I believe it's time. For me to step aside. First of all, and we've kind of mentioned it a little bit this morning already, there's no doubt in my mind that there are additional and very capable men in our church to serve as elders. Since at any given time only a limited number can serve, I feel strongly that there are those of you in this room right now that need and deserve the opportunity to serve as leaders in this church. And I hope you'll be prayerfully considering it if, if you are brought up. Secondly, as Ed mentioned, he mentioned Rust Street, and many of you know that I've got a special passion for Rust Street, and I serve on that board as well. And I'm really excited about the opportunities that God has placed in front of us there, and I see an enormous potential for the spreading of the good news of Jesus through service to our community. And I see this both as a mission project as well as a benevolence program right here in our hometown. I find myself spending more and more time with Bob and Janet, but especially Bob, as you can imagine. You know, Bob requires a lot of attention if you've been around Bob. And lastly... Joan and I are hopefully taking our last shot at parenting. And as you young parents and you old-timers know, the teen years can sure be the toughest and the busiest. You have heard it said, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, for us, it takes a church to raise a child. Most of you are aware of Some of the struggles we went through 12 years ago. And you were praying for us and with us when we lost our daughter, Jamie. And you were praying for us to get custody of our granddaughter, Jamie. God has heard and continues to hear your prayers. And we continue to ask you to pray for us in our attempt to finish what we started together. We love this church. Johnson Street is our home. Most of our friends are here. So other than missing those late-night meetings, those long staff reports, budget shortfalls, I'm going to get in trouble with this, but Tan is telling us when and where we're supposed to be at elders' functions (laughs) and what to bring. And picking on David Gay. (laughs) Other than that, I don't think we'll notice a great deal of change. Thank you again for allowing me to serve, and I pray that God will continue to guide us and bless us as we move forward. Thank you. Now the bad news, you get to hear some more from me. Now you get to look at your, your sheets with the pictures on it. This process is actually a, a two-part process. So it's like a test with a front and a back. And uh, on the front has the pictures. I mentioned at first service, the pictures really don't look quite as good without Ed and I on it, because we still, still are pretty looking guys. <clears throat> But the first side is for the affirmation process for those uh, elders that have desired to continue to serve. You see their pictures there with their wives. And that's pretty easy because all you do is you get to check a box. Yes, no, or I don't know. And really the I don't know is there is if if you really don't know them well enough to make a decision as to whether you want them to continue to serve. But if you have any questions, ask Ed. He knows all of us pretty well. But check one of the boxes for each of those on that side. It's important to notice in the last sentence on that front page is that each individual member of the church is encouraged to participate. This is not one per family. This is one per person. So each individual needs to take one of these pages and go through the process with study and prayer and reaffirm, and then flip over. And this is where you make recommendations for additional elders. And just write their names in there and sign the back of the form. And once you've completed that process, put it in the envelope that came with it. And we have extra envelopes if you lost yours or didn't get one. Sign it, put it in the envelope, and then place it either in the black box in the foyer, or you can give them to Ed or myself because we're going we're gonna to tabulate them and take a look at them. and uh, They will be kept about as confidential as, as they can be. So we have two weeks. Basically, this deadline is March the 9th. So we do ask that you prayerfully go through the process of both affirming and recommending leaders for this congregation. One more thing I get to do. I guess it may be my last time to do this, is get to be the elder of the day and do the pastoral things. But I am a little unhappy because they took away my blessing. They told me I couldn't do the blessing today, so I'll I'll show them. I'll throw it in my prayer when we close. I do want to remind you to be sure and hang on to your pew bulletin. There's a lot of things going on and a lot of folks that need our prayers. And, uh, One of the things I know in there is that uh, this is the last Sunday to register for the men's retreat. If you want to go to that, you could probably go, but you may not get to eat if you don't register. So do that today if you're going to go on the men's retreat. One other thing I want to mention, since I did talk about Rust Street a little bit, next Sunday is the last first Sunday special contribution. If you remember a year ago, we dedicated 12 months to do a special contribution on the first Sunday of the month to go to Rust Street. So this is our last Sunday to do that. I bring that up because if you've been over there, there's sheetrock on the addition. We've got stalls set up for showers and bathrooms and that kind of thing. But we have no toilets and sinks. So we need those. So think about that before you come next Sunday. Uh, But we do... uh, appreciate and are so blessed with the tremendous contributions that we've received as we try to get that facility up and running over at Rust Street. All right, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you, and Father, we give you all the praise and glory and honor for who you are, for being our creator, our father, and for loving us beyond what we can understand. Father, I thank you for this church, for this family that comes together at this place, and for the love that we share for each other, and the strength, encouragement, and courage that we get from each other. And I pray that you will continue to bless us in that way. Today, Father, I ask a special blessing on this group as we look forward to identifying new leaders to be a part of your church here. Father, we pray that you will lift them up. Father, we pray that uh, they will be brought to our hearts and minds as we go through this process. Father, we do have many who are suffering, some who are sick, some who are hurting, some who are struggling with just life's difficulties. And Father, we continue to ask for your intervention and help in all those lives. Father, we continue to ask you to be with us as we go through our daily activities in this world in which we live. Give us your spirit and give us your strength to live in the footsteps of your Son. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness when we fall. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks, Tom. Even though our agenda has been a little different than normal, Uh, Anytime we gather as a church, we want you to know that we're here for you. uh, That our leaders and others in this church uh, pray for you, uh, love you, and want to help in any way that we can. We're going to stand here in a moment and sing one final song. And as we sing this song, some of the leaders of this church will be standing at the back and along the sides here. And if you brought a burden with you of any kind... Uh, Whether it's a concern about you, a concern about a loved one, whether it's a physical illness, a spiritual condition, uh, we want to be your church, we want to be your family and help you with those burdens. If you are contemplating baptism, you have never given your heart and your life to Christ in baptism, well then uh, this is another request that could be answered at that time. And also, any guest, if you just have simply a question and would like to begin knowing more about this church, we invite you, as we stand and as we sing together, that you find one of these who are nearby. Let's be standing now. And Don complained, but I get to give the blessing today. Now may God, who calls us on our way and who stands at the end of our journey to receive us, may that God be with us every step of the way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.